It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. The Reds may have missed a golden opportunity to trade Jonathan India. We'll tell you why on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You, you're Locked On Reds, your daily source for all things Cincinnati Reds. I'm Stephen Offenbaker. He's Jeff Carr. We love baseball. We love these Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken that love for baseball, that love for this team, and we have turned it into information for you. Locked on Reds is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's podcast, we are going to take a look at the trade that could have been, uh, maybe should have been, involving the Mariners and everyone's favorite former rookie of the year, Jonathan India. Will Benson has been the topic of conversation, and he is more than just the best number nine hitter in baseball. Uh, What does he need to do to be considered a next-level outfielder in 2024? Well, we're going to tell you. Uh, Also, I saw you all in the comment sections and on X after yesterday's episode about Chase Petty. Well, we are going to take a look at Chase and talk about his numbers and tell you what they really mean. It is a jam-packed episode today. Before we get started, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets back with your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. All right, Jeff, where we're going to get started is talking about the trade that could have been, should have been uh, involving Jonathan India. Once again, the trade partner would have been the Seattle Mariners, and maybe there is a little trade fatigue between these two front offices at this point. But I don't know if you – I know you saw it because we talked about it, but I don't know if uh, the listeners all saw this trade go down. Jorge Polanco was sent to the Mariners for four players, and really when you start to break this down, it is not – out of the realm of possibility that the Reds could have made this exact same deal with the Mariners for Jonathan India. No, I I think it's very reasonable to compare these two things. In fact, this was something I was thinking about a little bit as I was watching our friends over at Lockdown Mariners kind of discuss this deal because they had said early on in the offseason, the Mariners need middle infield help. And they really thought that Jonathan India was high on that list. I mean, the Reds, there's been rumors about the Reds possibly trading him. Nick Crawl has has said in the past, you know, they're not actively 
seeking out a trade for him, but they were discussing it with multiple teams and maybe he just hadn't quite found a trade that really intrigued him. But I think this is something that the Reds could have gotten because when you look at Jorge Polanco, the, the Minnesota twins traded their second baseman, Jorge Polanco to the Mariners and they got bat Anthony DiSclefani never heard of him. Reds fans have uh, relief pitcher, a right-handed relief pitcher, Justin Topa, Outfield prospect Gabriel Gonzalez, who really was the key part of this trade, and a pitching prospect by the name of Darren Bowen. Now, this is the kind of trade that when you look at it, the Mariners sent the Twins a top outfield prospect, major league starting pitching and bullpen depth, Justin Topa, actually a pretty decent relief pitcher last year, and a dart throw of a pitching prospect, all for one player, for Jorge Polanco. And there's a very big reason as to why we are thinking about all of this, because if you compare Jorge Polanco and Jonathan India, they're just about the same player. And there's actually a little bit of an advantage for Jonathan India there. No, the advantage is in age team control money. Yes. Uh, that That's really the advantage. When you look at these two guys, Jeff, you're absolutely right. There's not a lot of difference. We'll just take 2023, just as an example for, Polanco, his slash line was 255, 335, 454. You compare that to India's 244, 338, 407. A little bit of difference. Polanco just has an edge, but when you start digging into more of the statistics, uh, Jonathan India had more home runs. Jonathan India had more stolen bases. Jonathan India had more RBIs. So this is a this is a deal that seems to make sense to me. And and the the key with that. India did play more games than Polanco did, but Polanco was dealing with a hamstring injury. In fact, when I kind of like look at the reasons why these guys compare, Polanco was limited to just 80 games with a nagging hamstring injury last year. Hmm. Polanco has questionable fielding skills at second base. Hmm. Hmm. Polanco's a pretty decent hitter. Hmm. You can literally replace Polanco's name with on any of those bullet points with India's and it would make sense. It would be about the same. Like obviously India dealt with hamstring injury in 2022 and not in 2023, but literally the same issues. And that was something that we talked about all off season was how do other teams view Jonathan India? Maybe they don't value him as much as the Reds do. Jonathan India and Jorge Polanco are like the same guy. It's just Polanco's older and has less team control and is more expensive. Like, all of those reasons lead me to believe that the Reds could get this deal. And the reason that I think this is such a missed opportunity for the Reds is what are we talking about? What is the what is the future looking like in the outfield? Gabriel Gonzalez would have been a nice piece for the future of this outfield. He is a top 10 Mariners prospect, whether you look at MOB Pipeline or Baseball America. He has been lauded for his power and his arm. They love his strong arm there in the corner outfield spot, probably more of a right fielder than a left fielder because of that. And you look at the fact that MOB Pipeline even rated him as a top 100 prospect in all of minor league baseball. And that's what they were able to get on top of two major league pitchers. We, we, I mean, obviously we know Anthony DiSclefani's profile, but Justin Topa as a relief pitcher for the Mariners last season threw 69 innings and got 1.6 war. It's very hard for a relief pitcher to get a lot of wins above replacement. He was able to amass a decent amount for a relief pitcher. Darren Bowen, more of a dart throw kind of prospect there, but there was four players that the Twins got 
in this deal that I really think that the Reds would have been able to get for Jonathan India. And I kind of think looking at the profile, we've said this before, and I've said this before, that I believe Jonathan India is more valuable to the Reds on the team than as a trade chip. If this was the trade that they got back for him, I'm wrong because this would have been a good trade for the Reds to make. You know, I, if the Reds were it would have been able to actually pull this deal off and get these four guys for Jonathan India, it would have been a steal. This would have been another one of those deals where we talk about how uh, Nick Craw went out and 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 just won, just yeah. won the trade. Uh, and and for me, you look at all these pieces that would have been coming back. You look at all these pieces that the Mariners were willing to give up, and all of these pieces helped the Reds. All of these guys uh, address some kind of need that the Reds have or create more uh, situational depth, depending on, you know, relief pitcher and, and, and looking at Di Scafani, you may have been able to flip Di Scafani in, into something else right. and they didn't really need him. So I would love to know if the Reds had a conversation with the Mariners and we may never know, but I would love to know how, how that, how that talk went, if it happened. Right, and and that's the the, the key. And th- this is speculation on our part, right? It's not as if the Reds had this deal on the table and said no, and the Twins said yes. But it seems very likely that the Reds could have gotten this deal, especially, and and maybe you even take it a step further and say maybe they get a better deal because of India's cost control and India's age and and all this other stuff. But this, this it's clear to me that. As much as we talk about what India's role on this team could be, and, and David Bell talking about, yes, he's going to play multiple positions, and and, and other people saying, well, yeah, he, maybe he gets into the outfield. Maybe he plays first base. Maybe he does this. Maybe he does this. I think we're all trying to squint really hard and figure out where he fits on this team, and if this is what you could have gotten instead of squinting really hard to figure out what you're going to do with him, I think I'd take this. No, For sure, because what we don't know still – is what Jonathan India, the outfielder, is going to truly look like. We have a pretty good idea of what that's going to look like. Uh, it's servable on fly balls. Routes may be okay, but uh, you're you going to be able to run on catchers. them. There's going to be catchers that are going to be able to tag up and get a base. You know what I mean? It's it's not going to be pretty as far as throwing out runners. So I, I don't know, Jeff. Uh, the more the more we squint and try to find a way to shoehorn Jonathan India into this lineup the more I, I wish that a deal like this would materialize for the Reds. And maybe, just maybe, now the price has been set a little bit. This is definitely, you know, as you're you're doing with this comparable, you know, the price is now what the price is. And this right. is an equivalent deal that Kral could go out and get. And then and, and it's a good talking place to, to get with other GMs. So maybe Nick Kral's not done. He keeps saying that he's done. He keeps saying, I don't anticipate any more major moves. But then things keep happening. You know, we got Brent Suter after that. We got a a lot of things have happened since Nick said he was done. So maybe Nick's not done. Maybe there's another trade brewing. Every time I think about him saying I'm done, I just think of like the whole like face switching app and like somebody switches Nick crawls face onto John wick. And he's just like, everybody keeps telling me I'm done. I'm thinking I'm not done yet. You know, I don't know. I, I think that there's something coming. It could be, but look, I think that it's clear the way that we set this up and, and and maybe you disagree and I'd love to hear you in the comments and, and on Twitter, all that good stuff. But I think it's clear. The Reds should have made this trade. You know, Steve, one of our favorite players is Will Benson and he's the best number nine hitter in baseball, but is he more than that? And what does he need to do to become that? We're going to talk about that coming up right 
after this. Today's episode is brought to you in part by FanDuel. Make the best out of Super Bowl week with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers to FanDuel can get $200 in bonus bets with their first winning bet of $5 or more. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to take advantage of this. FanDuel wants to give you more W's as the NFL season comes to a conclusion with the Super Bowl coming up Next week, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, you can bet on who's going to win the Super Bowl. You can bet on who's going to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Who's going to have the Super Bowl MVP at the end of the game. You can bet on the the color of Gatorade that the winning coach gets dumped on with. All of that and more over at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash on to take advantage of it. Again, again, new users can win $200 in bonus bets with a winning, with their first winning $5 money line or any bet, not just money line bet. Plus, you can jump in on some MLB futures. Noel V. Marte plus 950 to win the NL Rookie of the Year. He's actually got the third best odds. Yoshinomu Yamamoto for the Dodgers has the best odds to win it. Noel V. Marte is third. So check him out today. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, like Steve and myself, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Coming up on the next Lockdown Reds podcast, we're going to actually have a little bit of a bonus episode we want to talk about because there's a lot of guys that really have the shot at being the best ever number 57 because we are 57 days away from opening day. Who is the best number 57? We will discuss that on a bonus episode. Plus, coming up on Friday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern time, Aloha Friday, where you get to drive the ship. Love to have you part of the show. Make sure you join us 2 p.m. Friday right here on the Lockdown Reds YouTube page. All right, Steve, Will Benson last year got the nickname the best number nine hitter in baseball. And that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek because obviously he's better than your typical number nine hitter. It's just strategically that's the way that this Reds lineup moves the best. However, it feels like there's more to be had. It feels like there's more for him to unlock And I think that it starts out with the fielding consistency in the field is something that will transform him from a colloquial best number nine hitter in baseball to that next level. You're right. His defense was suspect at times. It wasn't horrible. You compare it to what was going on in left field with Spencer Steer learning to play out there. And and the outfield defense just all the way around was not great. You know, TJ Friedel had a lot of work to do 
over there in center field because <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of ground to cover moving both directions. But I think you're right. I think the first thing that Will Benson needs to establish coming into 2024 is that he worked on his defense in the offseason. We need to see improvement there. Uh, the arm is there. I think the instincts are there, and I, I'm just not quite sure what the missing piece is for him to put it all together. Uh, it might just be repetition. Uh, hopefully, yeah. he's really put in those reps in the offseason to get better routes, to to get better angles, and, and to really increase what he was able to do. Because watching him, you know, talking about his athleticism, there's really no good reason that his defensive ratings should be as low as they are. Uh, he really, when you just look at the guy, he should be a better outfielder than he is. Yeah, he's definitely got the build of a very awesome athletic outfielder that's going to make all the plays in right field. I, I think part of it stems from the routes that he takes. And this is more of a eye test thing than, you know, you can find numbers or analytics or something that explains this. But you know what you see on the field. And, and what I saw from him was he would make a good play, but then he make two or three plays that you're just like, He's not reading the ball right. He's not taking a good route to the ball. He doesn't quite track the fly ball well, doesn't get the bounce off the wall or, or the bounce in front of him and field it cleanly. There was just something to that consistency where when you watched him, it seemed like a guy, and Spencer Steer was like this because he was this. He was a infielder learning to play the outfield. Will Benson looked like an infielder trying to play the outfield, but he's played the outfield his entire career, all the way through the minors with the Guardians, now with the Reds. So I want to see him work that out. And I think that you could be right with that is that you just need to play more out there. He just needs to, to understand great American more. He needs to understand, you know, the different fields that he's going to play in a little bit better. And that was still technically his rookie season. So there's probably more to be gained from time play. But I think that that is something that is a consistent question for me because We've discussed this a few different times, whether it be on Aloha Live Friday edition or on a podcast during the week, Jake Fraley or Will Benson. And when you compare those two guys, Jake Fraley is clearly a better fielder than Will Benson is. But you have where the discussion comes in is the bat. Like Will Benson, I still think, has a better bat than Jake Fraley. And if Will Benson can, can, can really take that next step in the field, then you're talking about a more complete outfielder that you start to wonder, could he work on that next thing, which is, can he hit lefties? Well, if you look at Will Benson's bat, and just for fun, let's talk about the final month of 2023. His numbers are definitely fun. <laughs> 340. 379, 642, kind of fun. He had a last great month. month. It was it was really a great last month of the season. But but you're right when you start talking about what would make him elite, what would take him to the next level, what would make him be the guy out there. He's gonna have to learn to to hit left-handed pitching, and I don't know that that's something that he can do. And and it, it's not that's not a knock against Will Benson. There are just a ton of lefties out there now that can't do it. Left left-handed pitching is just so specialized and so hard to hit, mm -hmm. and the ball moves so much that you know it's it's getting more and more rare that you're going to have an everyday guy that can go out there and face, you know, be a left-handed batter and face left-handed pitching. Left-handed pitching in 2023, small sample size, he only had 44 plate appearances total in 2023 and i guess one of the things is that age-old argument do you just run him out there and see what happens do you, to hit lefties you have to take 
at bats against lefties or does he need to show something in Goodyear? Because I don't think that that can show you enough to, to warrant playing time against left-handed pitching. So David Bell is going to have to make a decision. Do you run him out there? Because in those 44 plate appearances, Jeff, 146, 205, 195. It is definitely not numbers that warrant uh, you to to continue the experiment unless you're just really trying to to, to build yourself an outfielder. Uh, I don't know that the Reds can afford to do that. This is a team that from day one is being considered to be in the competition to win this division and be a playoff team. So you have to put your best your best lineup out there every single day. And I don't know that that involves experimenting with Will Benson versus left-handed pitching. Yeah, I, I it's. The 44 plate appearances, he only had three walks compared to 14 strikeouts. He had six total hits in 41 total at-bats. Five of those hits were singles. He did have a triple. I forget exactly who it came against, but he did have one extra base hit. But all of that just doesn't lead me to believe that there's more to be gained. And and, and maybe, and this is something we didn't talk about in prep when we were looking at this, but I want to ask you what you think because I'm wondering – if the whole not going out and getting a legit right-handed outfielder thing is the Reds telling us that one of these guys, maybe not Will Benson, maybe it's Jake Fraley, but whatever, are they going to experiment with the idea that they just play every day? Well, they might have to, especially <laughs> if especially if it's Jonathan India, if it's – I really think the answer to your question, Jeff, is they're, they're of the same mind that we are. Noel V. Marte, CES. Jonathan India. There's a lot of a lot of right-handers that I think they're going to plug and play and and hope and hope that somebody can play outfield. Hope that somebody can run a route and throw a guy out and just I, I don't know. I it's really <laughs> it's really bad. It's really bad strategy, but I think that's what they're going to do. And in numbers wise bears out, you know, the whole fielding consistency thing with him is that, you know, Will Benson had a minus two outs above average, which means that the average outfielder was a little bit better than he was defensively. Now his arm bared out that he had some decent numbers on that, but it's all about the range factor, the routes that he takes, how he plays it off the bounce, things like that. It's things like that, that he can improve on this season that's going to be the thing that's easiest for him to work on. It's going to be really hard for him to work on the lefties thing because the Reds have really kind of presented themselves as a strategizing team when it comes to lineups. They don't put their lefties out there against left-handed pitching. That's just not something that they do. What they can't strategize around is somebody playing right field because they have to have a right fielder, and they've got about five, six, seven guys in line to DH. Will Benson can't be added to that line. He, he's got to play right field, and so he's going to have to get better out in the field. Well, and if they can find that right-handed platoon partner with Will Benson, oh, man, because his right-handed numbers, Jeff, we didn't, I didn't throw out the splits versus right-handed pitching. They nice. 297, 390, 549. His OPS plus, if you split it, his OPS plus versus right-handed pitching – 155, 55% better than league average against right-handed pitchers. If you can find, if CES or Noel V. Marte, if somebody can go out there and be comparable against the lefties, man, the Reds are going to have a mean production season from right field. But you're right, though. I, I mean, they can hit the ball. Can they catch the ball? That's the yes. question. It's going to be the question for, for the right-handed side of that platoon, and it's going to be the question – for Will Benson, because that is what he needs. If he can be more consistent in the field, then he's going to be that next level outfielder that we think he can be. 
All right, Jeff. Well, I want to do a little instant reaction coming up here in a minute because we talked a little bit about Chase Petty yesterday. And the comment section, as well as um, X, I've been getting comments there. Uh, people were rushing in to, I guess the best way to put this, defend Chase Petty. Uh, we didn't say Chase Petty was bad. We just said that Chase Petty needs to prove it this coming year. And we're going to expand upon that and tell you what it is we exactly mean coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you in part by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy and keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. You can follow us in between episodes on all of the social media platforms. Get at us over on X. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. Spelling has always been hard for him. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. There are no Fs in that. Also, if you haven't done so, make sure you bookmark InsideTheReds.com. Jeff's over there writing about the Reds. I'm popping in over there writing about the Reds. And we're joined by a bunch of our friends, James Rapine, Audie Elmore, Rick Uccino, all over there writing about the Reds. Uh, good coverage, good content. Go check it out today. Also, join us on Discord. Our Discord community is talking Reds baseball each and every day. And there's some off-topic channels for you, too, if you want to talk to Bengals, if you want to do Immaculate Grid, if you want to just talk about David Bell, there's a channel for that. Join us over there. The link to join us on the Discord community down in today's episode description. All right, Jeff, uh, a little pushback on this Chase Petty thing. And, and I, I I didn't have time to go back and listen to the whole thing that we said, but uh, you know it was just yesterday. So I kind of recall basically saying that Chase Petty was heading into a prove-it year if he really wanted to get himself into the conversation to be on this list of starting pitchers that the Reds are amassing. And we talked about, you know, currently there's one through eight, one through nine, one through 10, and Chase Petty's not even in that group. And people were coming back at me with Chase Petty's stats. And listen, his stats are not bad. Let's, let's talk about his 2023 age 20 season. Uh, combined, multi-level, 172 ERA. He had 68 innings pitched. That number is going to be important to talk about here in a minute. Strikeouts per nine at 8.7. Walks per nine, two. Great numbers. 16 of those 18 starts occurred at high A Dayton. In his 18 starts, he amassed 68 innings. That is an average of 3.7 innings per start. Again, at high A Dayton, uh, two starts at Chattanooga. And in those two starts, a 2.25 ERA, eight innings pitched in those two games. So Jeff, look, I'm not bashing Chase Petty. I'm right. being realistic about Chase Petty. This is what you do in minor league baseball at the lower levels. I know it was high A, but that's still A. They protect the arms. They let you prove yourself. They let you get your feels, and then they move you up. That's exactly what the Reds did. Chase Petty is not in the conversation to be in the Reds rotation in 2024. 
Chase Petty needs to have a great first half at double A to get some starts at triple A. And then we can have a conversation about Chase Petty. Chase Petty is not anywhere near the res rotation or the conversation until the calendar year 2025, in my estimation. Yes, I I think people need to understand prospects and how hype works for these guys. Because once you get, and this isn't just the Reds and Dayton and all this other stuff. It's once you get to high A that the hype begins. Because scouts will look at a guy and they'll say, okay, well, he's got this and this is working nicely and this is kind of how this rolls here. But there's also some questions that he needs to figure out. And they really don't start getting excited about a guy until he starts performing at double A. Because a prospect, a guy like Chase Petty, who is supposed to be a pretty awesome pitcher in the future, the way that he's treated down in Daytona at a low A in Dayton, in high A, is that there is a plan in place. He pitches X amount of pitches per game, period. If he's throwing a no-hitter, he's not going to be allowed to throw nine innings. That just doesn't happen. They, they don't do that in the lower level of the minor leagues. They have guys that are scheduled to throw three innings or four innings max. You don't see guys that are future prospects that are going six, seven, eight innings down in Dayton because really the benefit of that is very, very tiny, if any at all. And then you start to talk about statistics. I'm sorry. And I love Dayton. I love going to a Dayton dragons game and taking in some baseball at day air park. It's an amazing place to watch a game, but if you're going to extrapolate a performance in Dayton out to what it means for a guy's major league career, it's like trying to figure out what spring training statistics mean for a guy's regular season production, because there really is no correlation to say that a guy had a 1.7 ERA and tell me that that's why I should be excited about his major league prospects. I'm like, okay, where was he at? Was he at high a was he at triple a, if the answer is he's at high a great. What's he going to do next year? What's he going to do when he hits Chattanooga? What's he going to do when he hits Louisville? That's where we start to really get excited about folks. There's talent there. There's lots of talent with Chase Petty. He's got the stuff and he can work with his stuff. He he can control it. But what does that mean when he starts to face the upper level hitters, the guys that are close to the major leagues? Because when you talk about a prospect, you cannot talk about a guy in a vacuum and say, how talented is he? You have to compare him to the talented hitters that he's going to, he's going to face top prospects at double a, he's going to face top prospects in Louisville. How does he fare against those guys? And then especially once he gets to Louisville, how is he faring against the, the quad a players that, that most triple a lineups are filled with, because if you can dominate those guys, then we are really excited about your major league prospects, but it just feels like it's far, far too early for anyone to say, yes, Chase Petty is obviously going to be an amazing starter at the major league level, or we know what we know about him because you don't know what you don't know about him. You know, I think that comparison to spring training statistics was actually really good, Jeff, because we've talked time and time again about the the Reds pitchers numbers in spring and the fact that you can't really take anything from that. You know, and I always point to that season, uh, that spring training by Amir Garrett, where he struck out every single batter that he faced because he was coming in late in games and he was facing guys 
from high A. He was facing guys from Dayton. So you can't really take those numbers and really understand what they mean. The low minor league levels are about learning to be a professional and getting your routines down and getting a feel for your pitches and, and working on your stuff and moving up. And then, as you say, applying it against better and better talent until you reach a level where you can now say, okay, this is comparable. This shows us something. And I think that's the season we're now at for Chase Petty. Don't get me wrong. I am not saying that he's a bust. I am not saying that the Reds right. are disappointed with his performance. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying this is his make or break year. This is the year where they're going to start looking at the results and see if it matters. They're going to send him to double A Chattanooga. They're going to run him out there for the first half of the season. And hopefully he performs like he did in his first two starts where he had about a 2.25 ERA struck out five walked one. I will accept that from him the first half of the season at Chattanooga. Then you move him to Louisville and you see what you got. And then he proves it. And, and it's exactly what we're saying. And I, and I, I hope that he does. I think that he will. But the reason that he's not in that one through 10 group right now is because you cannot call on that guy if disaster strikes and expect him to step into the big league rotation in 2024 and do absolutely anything. It, you'll get the same results that you got from Levi Stout. When you took a guy that was clearly not ready and had to stick him in the rotation because you were desperate. You can't do that to Chase Petty. It's a disservice to him. It's a disservice to the organization. Uh, Chase Petty's going to prove it. I believe in him, but he's got to do it first before you can put it and, in Cincinnati. And he's shown plenty of encouraging signs. The strikeout to walk ratio is phenomenal. But that's, again, you have to see how that improves as you get to double A and you got a guy with better plate discipline and you get to triple A and you got even better plate discipline. How does that fluctuate? Because we saw some pitchers as they moved through the minor leagues, we saw their strikeout rate really dip. I mean, Brandon Williamson was a perfect example because and, and, and he has shown to be a pretty decent major league pitcher. But once he hit triple A, once the Reds traded for him, his strikeout rate and his walk rate almost became the same. And if you see things like that, then you're like, okay, what's he need to work on? Where's he at? What's next for him? Because we cannot call upon a guy. If the Reds, I'm sorry, and, and, and I love to be optimistic, and I would love to be wrong about this, but if the Reds were to bring Chase Petty up to the major leagues at any point this year, it'd be malpractice too early you're you're exposing him to a level that he's not ready for and he needs to work on it that's why we say he needs to continue to prove it at double a and triple a he's got talent he needs to show it at the higher levels all right that's probably a great point to wrap it up for today jeff that is going to do it for this edition of locked on reds coming up in just about an hour Bonus episode in your feed. We are going to be talking about the number 57, 57 days until opening day. And we're going to talk about some of the greats in Reds history to wear number 57. And let me tell you, there are some great names on this list. That's why it's getting its own little mini bonus episode that's coming at you here in just a few minutes. In the meantime, Jeff, what can folks expect from us the rest of the way as we creep closer and closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting out in Arizona? They can expect us to be locked on the news and the transactions, all the rumors that are coming out. Maybe there's more rumors to be had for the Reds and possible moves that they have. And they can expect us to be locked on Reds every single day. What we learned today is hashtag Jeff hates Jonathan India is alive and well. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 